The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And the one that's missed all the time is it has to be observable, which mm. means post times to comments. I'm going to say it again. No drill sergeant, motivational speaker, or no amount of willpower will get the same level of hard work and intensity that a stopwatch and a whiteboard will. What's your time? Post it to comments. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence, remote edition. How are you, Ben? I'm good. Thanks, Patrick. Good, good. Um, We're back this week uh, in full lockdown, in quarantine. and we're gonna do a we're gonna do a two minute drill. A couple episodes ago, when last time we did this, I I asked for some um, kind of lockdown specific questions for two minute drill, and we got a handful of good ones. So that is what we're gonna tackle today. Um, the first one: during the quarantine, we're all trying our best to stay sane, positive, and healthy. But there are and will be days uh, where those things are a challenge. Do you have any tips on how to bounce back quickly when you realize you're starting to struggle? Yeah. Um, so first off, I I like your, I like lockdown better than quarantine. Yeah, lockdown sounds, yeah. yeah, so much more like, I don't know. It's like badass. Yeah. Quarantine's like medical. Lockdown's like hardcore. Yes, we'll go with that. I'm gonna start using the lockdown. Uh, okay, so bouncing back when things don't go your way. Yeah. So the first thing here is to recognize that you're in a new world, you're new in a new environment, you don't don't expect things to go perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Um, if things are, you're, you're trying to do what you can with what you got for where you are. So if you take away this idea of like, I'm not in, um, you know, I'm not able to do the work I used to be able to do. I'm not being able to productive as I could before. I'm getting more distractions. I'm having a hard time separating work from everyday life and family. I'm, I can't train as hard as I used to be able to do. Um, that's the deal. Like th- this is what dealing with, um, adversity is all about. So first deal is like recognize it doesn't have to be perfect. It's not supposed to be perfect. And then from there, what we need to do is fall back on that principle of respond, don't react, which is when things don't go your way, don't become emotional. Don't uh, blow blow your lid off. Don't um, go crazy and react uh, um, in an overblown way that you're going to regret later on. Instead, have the the awareness that this is happening in real time. What we want to be able to do is kind of recognize triggers. And this isn't quarantine, lockdown specific. This is anytime specific when you feel like things are not going your way. What you want to be able to do is in real time, not a day, a week, or a month later, but in real time, can you recognize the trigger, which is um, your emotions rising up, which is frustration, which is distraction, which is um, 
um, anger, which is um, sadness, and start to realize that these things are triggers. And the trigger is not to spin you farther into that doom loop, but it's a trigger. We recognize it, go, oh, here it is. I'm getting frustrated. Here's my emotions getting the best of me. Now what I need to do is see, and this is the challenge now, trigger slash challenge. How quickly in this moment, how well, knowing it's not going to be perfect, we're going to make mistakes along the way, can I get myself back to my per normal, productive, happy, fulfilled um, person that I am in my everyday life? We got to be able to see these things as, um, as triggers, not as um, steps, uh, like descending steps that's going to send you down the doom loop. So that's the biggest thing is really like awareness in the moment that these triggers are happening. And then from there, pull yourself out 10,000 foot view. Okay, what does this look like? Oh, I get it. I'm being emotional because it's not your fault. It's it's built into our human genetics. It's part of our, our, our repertoire as human beings that we fight or flight. You become emotional. You're supposed to do that. The problem is those hormonal responses don't serve us in everyday life, and they certainly don't serve us in lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think one of, the, one of the interesting things there or the thing that maybe I would echo is, uh, yeah, the ideal is to understand and recognize the trigger in the moment that it happens. But I've always found that, that's that's really hard to do. But I've always found, especially especially as of late, especially over the last few years, um, if I if I find myself because it's easier to find yourself kind of doing that descent, you know, that descent, the dissension, right? Like, oh man, like I the last hour I felt like crap, like I'm I'm anxious, I'm whatever. And it's for me, it's been helpful to to kind of trace it back to okay, like. What actually did trigger that? Like, oh, that email I got, that that even in the moment I didn't realize it was triggering me, an hour later I recognize, oh, okay, mm -hmm. that was actually the thing that it started. And just recognizing that helps to start the process of getting out of it. Because at least you're like, oh, okay, it's not like, it's not me necessarily. It's just like that thing happened and I responded to it. So from the, yeah, from there, it also goes into like what we talk about all the time. It's like, um, the number one thing you have to kind of recognize is, is this thing that's bothering me inside my control or outside my yeah. control? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's like, that's like one Oh one, right? Like, man, it's really crappy weather for the fourth day in a row. And I'm in lockdown. I'm bummed out. As you said, what is causing the bum out? It's the weather. Okay. Like I can't control that at all. Yeah. So if you are a victim to things that you can't control, you're giving up your ultimate power. I like what I'm still a Tom Brady fan, even though he moved to Tampa Bay. But Tom Brady has said this a number of times. I'm not willing to give up my power to things that are outside of my control. When people ask him about like um, Deflategate or anything that's outside of his control, he's like, I'm not going to go there because all I'm doing then is I'm allowing – I'm gi literally giving up the thing that I – all of my – calls it power. So – it's we call it like energy or matchsticks. And if you burn up these matchsticks, if you give up your energy towards these things that you can't control, you now have less to put into things that you can control. This is the secret to success is like give everything you can to which matters and you have control over what you realize. And most things in life that people get mostly upset about are mostly outside people's control. It's no wonder that it's this cycle of frustration yeah. because putting so much focus and energy into things that they can't influence. 
Love that. Okay, next question. When our gym closed, I had four friends over to my house to work out. A neighbor typed up a note and told us to stop working out together for the sake of community. At what point is it more important to exercise than not? I'd rather work out than avoid all human contact. Yeah, you can work out without human contact. Like, dude, like you, like you don't need to work out with your buddies to work out. So your question was, at what point does working out become more important than human contact? Those are not, those are not mutually exclusive things. They, I'm, I'm sorry, those are not, those can be mutually exclusive things. You can work out without that contact. Now, I'm not against people getting together to work out in this time and staying six feet apart. I am against it with like eight, nine, 10, 12 people because it's not going to happen. You're not going to stay. And that's just irresponsible. So ask yourself the real question. Is this that you need to work out with four or five people in your driveway? Or, I mean, it's just like you're, the question's misguided in my mind. You, you can work out without the group. If you're working out with a group, work out with one or two other people and work out on other ends of the driveway. Like you don't need to be that close to people. Got it. The other thing which I'll say, and I'm not like, again, is there's this quarantining thing. Mm. We're quarantining and we're doing it with our neighbor. So we have a next door, our next door neighbor. Um, they are being as responsible as we are. So they're still going to the supermarket once every two weeks like we are. But basically, besides that, they're at home and there's no other contact. Well, they have two kids that are also our kids' age. We're allowing them to play together and do everything. They're, just, they're not going to each other's homes, but they're playing in driveways together and all that stuff. So we're quarantining with them, knowing that they're being responsible. From there, if a neighbor actually reached out to us and said, like, hey, you're not being responsible, I'd have a conversation with them, tactful conflict resolution. Thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. I realize now what this looks like. Um, we're actually quarantining this, but you have you bring up a great point. Do you have any suggestions on how we could either make this um, more well known to the rest of the neighborhood or do this safer? What do you think about that? All the rest. Yeah, I haven't heard that term before. I like it. Quarantining. Yeah. Next question. Before this, my training was going very well. Training consistently for six months, twice a day, sleep and nutrition on point, mindset and recovering go recovery going well. But since everything changed, I've struggled. I've had all the equipment or I have all the equipment I need to train, but the, the usual volume was has been breaking me down. I feel like I'm struggling to find the right balance again. So not a specific question in there, but curious of uh, your take, your reaction to that, that kind of um, uh, story. Yeah, it's interesting. So first off, this person's like a baller, a go-getter. They're a competitor. They uh, train twice a day, six days a week. Um, they're they're dialed in with their mindset, their nutrition, everything else. Um, it sounds like, which is, I didn't think that question was going to go the direction it was. They're asking the volume is now beating them up. Yeah. So if that's the case, um, it's not just volume that beats you up. It's a number of different things. Um, it is volume, which is load, reps, um, duration, all uh um, sets times reps times load times sometimes duration if you're not doing weights. That's volume, um, number of sessions a day, number of hours in the gym. But there's other things. There's intensity. Um, then from there, there's also um, like modalities. Like riding a bike isn't going to beat you up as much as like doing, um, you know, squat cleans. Like it's just it's just not. So there's a bunch of things that go into um, the volume aspect of that. But then. What it's going to come down to for this individual, and I'm going to answer it in a different way again because I think most people are struggling with something else. It's got to be something else that this person's doing in terms of the other factors we talk about in terms of – so it's what are you doing now for recovery? Maybe you're not doing the same recovery you did when you were in the gym. 
Before, when you're in the gym, you sat with a foam roller for 25 minutes before you worked out. And then afterwards, you jumped on a machine and then you did uh, your normal routine. You took a shower afterwards and then you rolled out and stretched and then you had something in your routine is off. So it sounds like this person's very dialed. Figure out what was off there. Now, if it's not that, okay, what's the sleep thing doing? What happens now is because every day is a weekend. They never, no one knows what day it is anymore. Um, people are doing weekend habits, so they're turning the TV on at 9:15 at night, mm. and now you're sleeping with the TV. You're going before you go to sleep. You're you have this stimulus of TV. You're staying up later, so maybe your sleep is sacrificed, or you don't have the connection you used to have with people at the gym or at work. So your the do, the, the um, all the chemical responses to having through strong connections are down, or your nutrition is off. Like it's one of those factors that could be doing it. It doesn't sound like it's the volume thing. This person sounds like I'm still working out twice a day. I am still have all the equipment. I'm still doing all stuff, but I'm beat down. It's one of the other factors other than that. Where I thought this question was going, I'm going to answer this one, even though it's not the question, <laughs> is what most people are asking about is I have all the equipment. I have all the programming. I'm still committing to it time-wise. I just can't bring anything to it. I have no, I can't bring the intensity factor. Be, that's one that usually messes people up. Here's the secret to this. Get on a social platform. Get on a social leaderboard, like CompTrain, like CompTrain Masters, like post times to comments. Greg Glassman has said forever that intensity is the shortcut to results. Intensity is the independent variable most commonly associated with favorable adaptations. What that means is the harder you work, not workout, the harder you, the more you put into writing a book, to learning classical violin, to becoming a chef, to becoming a race car driver. The harder you work, the faster you'll see results. In a vacuum, that is true. Now, the hard, the thing that incentivizes intensity, hard work, more than anything else, no drill sergeant or motivational coach in the world will get the same level of motivation, hard work, intensity as a stopwatch and a whiteboard. Mm. All you need is to know a score, how fast you do the workout in. Tell me what's your score, and then you're doing science, measurable, so you know that you did 21, 15, nine of thrusters and pull-ups with 95 pounds measurable. Okay. And then a, a, a time to it. So then we know exactly what your result from that workout was repeatable. So you can then do that workout again, team workouts, or you're swimming in the ocean and one day it's rough and the next day it's not, or, um, you're one day you're using, um, a bamboo bar and the next day you're using a barbell, not repeatable. So measurable, repeatable data. So you gotta be able to repeat it. And then one that's missed all the time, is it has to be observable, which mm. means post times to comments. I'm gonna say it again, no drill sergeant, motivational speaker, or no amount of willpower will get the same level of hard work and intensity that a stopwatch and a whiteboard will. What's your time? Post it to comments. That's what CrossFit was created with. Day one, that was the, the business model. That was what made CrossFit special. Constantly varied function movements performed at high intensity that are measurable, observable, and repeatable. Without those things, you're not doing it. You can't, you're not, that's what's missing. Mm -hmm. So get on. This is why people work out harder in the open, by the way. Like you work hard in the open. Why? 
because now you're on a legit leaderboard. You're not just posting some scores to your um, gym with three other people that you like to measure against. You're competing against thousands of people. So get on something like comptrain.co, get on the, uh, the leaderboard, get on there with your specific group, your master's group, age group, teenagers, individuals, games, whatever it might be. And I promise you, intensity will go up. Even if, here's the crazy thing, even if you're scaling workouts and you're not doing exactly what the other people are doing, even if you're doing something that's unique only to you, I promise you, you will still work harder. It's this weird psychological phenomenon that we then get placed into the hierarchical system as human beings, we're tr constantly trying to figure out where we rank, like it or not. You walk into a party and immediately your senses go up of where do I rank in this group? Because of that, you work harder. It is the secret to it. And get back to that, guys. Like, get on the social forums. Got it. Next question. You guys have talked about how when CFNE was opening up, you offered lifetime memberships to some people. Um, and you did that, a uh, little bit of context, you did that to help kind of fund the, the growth and the, the, the um, early stages of CrossFit New England. Um, would that be a viable option right now in an effort for some gyms to stay afloat and get through this? Yes, 100%. I hadn't thought of that and I love it. Yeah. I love it. So the idea is just to restate what um, the question said and what Patrick just alluded to is um, you could offer to your favorite, most loyal members a lifetime membership. So everyone's struggling right now. Everyone's looking for additional ways to create revenue, to stay afloat, to stay alive. You have to weather this storm. You have to, um, you can't go belly up during this. So because of that, it's kind of like, um, all hands on deck, anything's possible at, at all costs. So what you can do, one of the things you could do is sell lifetime memberships. Up to you what you charge for that. If you want to charge um, half a, a year's of tuition or up to four years of, of rental, of, of uh, sorry, membership dues, you could do that. I think, just as a reference point, during this time, if you've been around for a very, very long time, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years plus, um, you're a very sustainable business. The risk is probably lower. You could probably get away with probably closer to three, three and a half, maybe even four years worth of dues. If you are a newer business, um, six months, one year, 18 months, probably under two or three years, you're probably better off trying to sell something underneath the two years worth of dues um, 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 in totality. So if you charge 200 bucks a month, let's do even easier numbers, right? You charge 100 bucks a month, um, which I we did some market analysis. I um let's we'll do a podcast where we kind of share um, what most gyms are doing. Mm. But most gyms are they're doing 100 bucks and they are 200 bucks. Let's say you charge 100 bucks a month, um, over a year that's 1,200 dollars. So if you're a newer gym, maybe you do two years worth of dues, that's 2,400 dollars, and you give someone a lifetime membership to your gym, so they never pay membership dues again. You do that for 10 members, and you have between you know 10 and 15 thousand dollars coming in. Yeah. And you have customers forever. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah. And so we've talked about this a little bit, but just to, to give a little bit more context as to how you did it. Um, when you did it, you went to specific people and you said, Hey, listen, I'd like to talk to you about this opportunity, right? This wasn't a, everybody raise your hand or anybody raise your hand. If you want a lifetime membership, right? Not a post on, on social media, not a thing on the daily workout, not, um, a mass email. This was, Hey, you are special. I'm going to offer this to X number of people. You are one of those X. Um, if you're interested, um, please let me know. Um, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. 
Love it. Okay. Next question. What has changed operations-wise at CFNE and CompTrain? How has the EOS system been altered, if at all, and how are you adjusting? And so maybe maybe start with a quick recap of what the EOS system is, just so everybody knows. EOS is an operational um, system. So it stands for... <laughs> it's you just it's said pretty it. witty. <laughs> it stands for Entrepreneur's Operating System. So it's a way to run your business. And it took me a long time to figure out that there was a way to run your business. Um no wonder that we struggled for as long as we did. Um, phenomenal model. Uh, it basically it, it sets up the 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 framework for your business so that you can run it efficiently and effectively. Um, so inside of that model, what has changed? Um, basically, it, it's created so um, they use what's called quarterly rocks. Basically, the next the most important things you need to do in the next ninety days. Um, in terms of like what the way Google and uh, Facebook and in uh, Intel and um, a lot of these other companies, they call um, they call them OKRs, mm-hmm. uh, objectives and key results. So it's again, it's a ninety day objective. What is the specific, and what are the results you're looking to get there? So every business should be running their business in ninety day increments. It's a uh, it's enough to create stability, but enough that there's free uh, change in between. Well, here's what we created our ninety days. Literally, we had our quarterly meeting. Literally, the the day the world changed. Mm. Um, it was a Thursday. Offsite meeting, full day. Uh, it was about 35 minutes away from the gym. We had uh, so we set all of our quarterly objectives the day before. Um, it was the day that Tom Hanks actually mm. um, came down with it. And then the next that day, school started closing. Um, Am- our Amherst College. Uh, actually, I take that back. Um, Tom Hanks was, if I remember correctly, my um, Tom Hanks uh, was a positive test on like the Monday. Um, Amherst college was the first college to close on a Tuesday. And, um, by Thursday, um, local schools around us started sending people home. Mm-hmm. They weren't, they're sending people home. So that Thursday, literally the day we had our meeting, the world changed. And by that next Monday, that was also the big tank in the market. Um, it was a totally different world that we were living in. So we created our 90 day objectives outside of this new world. So long story short is you're not supposed to go back and change your quarterlies because then they're not the most important. Um, we went back and readjusted. Uh, it, I should say that. we added one quarterly for CompTrain and we added one quarterly for Comp for CFNE mm. to make it COVID uh, sustainable specific. Otherwise, it's like how aloof would that be to say these are our 90 day most important objectives that we need to accomplish and they have nothing to do with the new world we're living in. Yeah. So it actually took us. Um, over two weeks to realize that because it took us two weeks to realize the the magnitude and um, the change that and, and the longevity of what we are about to be experiencing. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't have made sense for the next day to wake up and go, we're changing things. But by two weeks into this thing, it was like, guys, this is not a two-week thing. This has got to be the most important thing we're trying to accomplish. next. And that's where like for CompTrain, Home Gym came out, free programming came out. Um, ben did so much more um, social media stuff. And I got in front of a lot of people. We started doing Ask Me Anythings on CompTrain. So it was like, let's, let's, we, we got to shift this a lot. Okay. Now for CFNE, it was like, all, what are we going to do to keep people engaged? Zoom classes, um, fireside chats, uh, more videos, more. So we went way more um, interactive and way more, um, we sp- we're speaking to people a lot more. Yeah. Love it. Next question. While gyms are closed, do you think we should be still getting charged at a full rate? 100% definitely 
not. Mm. No way. You didn't sign up for this. You signed up to go to a gym, to use their facility, to be coached in person and be able to whatever else it is, you know, socialize, have the best hour of your day, all that stuff. That is not the product that's being offered now. So no, you should not. And I think it's a real disservice for gyms that are um, asking members to do that. Mm. Um, I think, and this is me, this is like, I have this platform, so I'm going to use it. Like, I think that what gyms should be doing is something along the lines of offering tiered different memberships. And I actually think the responsible thing to do is offer people to continue to stay on their Zoom classes without charging them anything. I think there should be an option for a free. Now, I get it. Like, that might seem like it's not a viable solution. I promise you that is going to give more. Like, uh, you posted something the other day, which is like, um, goodwill is the new currency of marketing, Mm -hmm. right? It's like- Karma. Karma. Like, you're like, there are- so what you want to have happen, this would be what you want as a business owner is for members to step up and say, listen, I can't use the product right now as it was promised to me. I'm still going to pay my full membership. That's them doing an amazing, amazing thing. Well, you have the opportunity as a business owner to do the same thing. There are people in your community that have lost their jobs that can no longer pay. It's the same thing. You going, hey, I realize you can no longer pay your membership. I'm going to still provide the service to you even though you can't. It's karma works both ways, guys. It's like, so not to say we're doing it the best way or the right way. I'll share what we're doing as a reference. Um, We gave three, three, yes, three different options for our memberships. Well, four really. So the first one is you can pay a um, 25% membership. 25% of what you normally do, optional. Click this button if you'd like to contribute 25% membership because we're still doing classes, Zoom, all the rest. Or you could pay a 50% membership, or you could pay a full membership. Up to you guys. Or option four is you can continue to stay on and pay and nothing free. We're gonna give you every service you possibly have. Um, we possibly are doing. There's no difference in terms of our attention to you in how you choose which of those those options. But from there, it's like now people can't if they real first it's clarity. So they can like, oh, I can do this, I can do that. You don't have the people reaching out going like, hey, I'd like to support the gym. I just don't know how to. Yeah. Well, now it's kind of out there. But you should not – you can offer people to pay a full membership, but you should not mandate it. You're going to um, burn some bridges along the way. And it's just not – It's you have a chance to like do good for people. Like People have lost their jobs. They can't afford it. They're scraping by. They have people that are sick that like they're I, – I think it's a chance for us to do good as well. Next question. What do you and Ben think about the feasibility or likelihood of a Peloton like CrossFit experience? It's coming. Yeah. For people, I mean, Peloton, I think everyone understands what that is, but it's a, um, it's a spin class at home that you're in a virtual community. Um, um, this Peloton CrossFit Peloton was going to come anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, this is, this is going to, um, fast track it. So here's what most gyms are going to try to do though. (laughs) So most gyms are doing zoom classes. And most gyms are going like, oh, wow, this is a scalable model. It's kind of low pull. I could get, um, you know, 20 to 30 more members that might just want to do a virtual membership. Um, That's not going to be the Peloton of CrossFit. Um, And what's going to happen is they're probably not going to stay with you. Yeah. Because they're all going to do this. They're going to, they're going to seek out the best possible source because there's going to be very little regional or emotional uh, loyalty or exclusivity. So what's going to happen is 
all barriers are going to drop and there's going to everyone's going to flock to the best provider like Peloton. That's why Peloton doesn't have a bunch of like little micro competitors. There's not like, um, you know, um, the local globo gym around you isn't running Peloton classes because they can't compete with the monster in the space. It's the same reason that all the hardware stores in towns are going away because they can't compete with Home Depot. All the little convenience stores are or all the little um, um, shops are going away because they can't compete with Amazon. It's gonna be the same thing. You can't compete in the spin world with um, uh, in the virtual. I should say the virtual spin world because SoulCycle and uh, whatever the other ones are can compete mm-hmm. um, because it's in real life. Yep. CrossFit will still exist because it's in real life, but there's gonna be one dominant provider. And it's gonna be the ones that invest the you know the 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 half a million dollars into the infrastructure to create the best possible service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What advice do you have for coaches who currently don't have a gym to train their clients in? So I, yeah, I, we, I think this question is like a, you know, not, not gym owners, um, but folks who kind of work maybe per hour or per client or something like that. Like what, what kind of options do you think they have? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll throw out a few. First one is like um, reach out and stay in contact. If you have their cell phone, like, um, text or call at worst, um, email, but you got to stay in front of them. Um, where you on top of that, you, the biggest thing is you have to stay relevant in their lives. What you don't want to do is for them to like, you work so hard to get them to change their way of life, to eat healthier, to work that you into their lives. So they'll see you one, two, three, five times a week. You need to stay relevant. So once a week, do a quick little Skype video, a little, um, handheld iPhone video and, text it to them. Hey guys, here's a little insight into how to eat well while, um, in lockdown. I, you know, I've changed it to lockdown like quarantine. Yeah. Um, so first one is you got to stay relevant. You got to stay in front of them. Next is offer some services. I'll just throw a few of them. Um, guys, I, I'd, I'd be happy to, um, do um, small group training with you. Grab your family and I'll train your family, get them active together. I will do a, um, personal, class for you and your family, knowing that you have a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old, and you have um, just your backyard to train in. And I'll do a specific workout for you guys. The next one is do one-on-one, either one-on-one training, coaching. I can see and correct and help your form. You'd actually be surprised how well you can do that through this, this um, through the virtual Zoom world or whatever mm-hmm. you choose platform. Next one is do programming where you're not coaching them. It's not a commitment to an hour a day, but I'm just going to give you programming, your abilities, your equipment, your goals, um, your schedule. Um, next one is do nutrition. So I'll work with you on nutrition basis. Um, anything from here's a plan to, um, daily accountability. Some people want that. I mean, I could check in for 10 minutes of like, um, every day, send me your food diary and then I'll respond. I'll take 20 minutes to break it down and respond like, or, weekly check-ins or whatever it might be. But there's a, there's a number of different options there. Big one though is stay in front of them. Yeah. Next question. You've talked about the dangers of limiting words before. Um, I limiting words, not limiting words, like say less of them, but words that are limiting. Um, I'd love to hear you talk about them in light of everything going on now. What limiting words should we keep an eye out for in these specific times? Yeah. So, um, I believe that your, your, you know, your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, your actions dictate your destiny. You have to be very, very careful and intentional with the words you're using because they will actually shape your realities. This is massively important. And it's one of the things that 
if you came into you know CFNE or work with one of my elite athletes, or even if you came into my family, you might think it was kind of weird how I, um, we call each other out on words. But there's a reason for it. It I believe it massively impacts everything. Um, so it doesn't change because we're in lockdown. It's all the same stuff. So instead of saying things like, um, I have to dot, 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 I have to like for now more than ever, like, um, I have to go to the supermarket. No, like more than ever, you get to go to the supermarket. Um, I have to, um, um, help my kids with, um, homeschooling. Nope. You get to help your kids with homeschooling. I have to go, uh, work out in the garage. No, you get to go work out in the garage. So have twos and to get twos. Um, other ones is like, um, shoulds or wills should implies that like you have the best intentions, but you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I should go to bed instead of binge watching, you know, um, Netflix. I really, um, should make sure I'm really, I'm um, taking care of what I bring into the house in terms of nutrition. Um, instead of like, I am going to do that. I really should call my mom instead of like, I am going to call my mom. So be careful with the, the shoulds versus the, um, the wills. Um, similar to that is um, can'ts instead of can't say I choose to. So um, and that's really important now because a lot of people are saying like I can't do this and I can't do that and I because of government restrictions, um, whatever if they feel and so it becomes more and more and more and more limiting. Keep the power. You're choosing to do most of these things. So um, like I um, I can't see my friends right now. Like no I. I'm choosing not to see my friends right now because I believe, and you don't have to say this out loud, all this, but like, it's basically like, I, I'm choosing to because I believe I'm being socially responsible. I'm keeping myself healthy. It's a choice. It's not that you can't see your friends. You could drive over to your friends. The police are not going to stop you. Mm-hmm. It's yep. not against the law. You can. You can see your friends. You're choosing to socially distance. So recognize that you're making choices. This is, we always talk about this is like, um, I can't pick up my kids from school today. Now it's not right or wrong, but like, I'm, it's not that I can't, it's that I'm choosing to stay at work and work on this project. It's that I'm choosing to do this meeting. It's that I'm choosing to, and when you do that, man, all of a sudden you realize the power that you do have in your fingertips. Um, so I would be very aware of um, limiting words and um, how they, they they frame your reality. What do you think the games will or should look like this year? Okay, great question. I have no idea what they <laughs> will like. No idea. I don't think I don't think Dave Castro knows what they will look like. Yeah. Um, let's assume that we are in the exact same. Uh, so let's say assume that we have um, had restrictions lifted to like fifty percent. Um, by uh, the end of this summer. Okay, so that means like um, uh, small groups can get together. Basically, that's the idea, right? Like um, there's no restrictions on some businesses. People can go together. Basically, like the supermarket world that we live in now is kind of all businesses. Um, I have no idea what that really means, but I think it's painting a picture for people enough. If we're in that world, um, so let me say it this way. If we're in the world we are right now, the game should not happen this year. Yeah. They just shouldn't. I don't think you can do a virtual games. Um, okay, there's an exception to that, which is you could, and I actually mapped this out a little bit um, from an economics perspective, um, you could whittle the field down to 40 guys and 40 girls. 
no more age groupers. And that's what the games used to be back in the day. 40 guys, 40 girls. From there, what you could do is um, send one media person and one judge to every athlete. So you could send them there with a package from Rogue that gets everyone the same amount of equipment. And then from there, you could have people do um, vir uh, virtual games. You mm -hmm. could do that. Um, actually, feasibly, economically, it would work. So I don't think that's what's going to happen. What I think should happen is um, the games get postponed till September, and they happen in Aromas. It's um, no, very limited media, if any. Um, it's basically the judges, 40 athletes, 40, uh, 40 guys, 40 girls. I think there's probably no age groupers um, and no coaches, no spectators, no vendors. Um, and then what they're doing is they're limiting this field down. They could do it with um, really responsible groups. There's never more than a group of, um, you know, kind of eight to 10 people at a time together or whatever it is. Um, or maybe it's just like everyone has six foot buffers around them all the time. And it's just you with your judge the whole time. Um, that's a very, very viable solution, I believe. So a lot like the 2007 and 2008 games. Exactly. Yeah. Except that there was, uh, in 2008, there was teams. Hmm. Um, so I think there'd be a team aspect to this either. Good call. Uh, and 2007, it'd be like the 2007 games, yeah. which was like very few judges, very few athletes, a lot more, no, like no, like maybe 10 spectators and they probably all worked at HQ. <laughs> um, and either that or like Castro's brother. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so like 2007 games. Yeah. All right, last question we have today. What have you found yourself missing the most since we started locking down? Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's the same thing everyone else says, right? It's the, uh, you know what, actually, it's, I'll go specific. Um, it's the, um, it's not just the, it's the actual it's going to sound weird, but it's the physical contact. Mm. It's the, the high fives. It's that. Um, so there is a, uh, chemical response that happens when, uh, somebody, when there's actual touch and Simon Sinek did a great, not good, a great talk, talk on this. Um, it is, um, endorphins and serotonin. um, I think it's oxytocin. I think you're right. When, yeah. When you touch, I believe oxytocin is a hormone that's relieved in, released in your body, and it is a feel good. It is a um, it is a connection hormone. It is the reason that in his example, which is great, this is how important it is. Let's say the two of us are going to have a business deal. We're going to um, we're signing a contract for a million dollars, and at the end, I go, Patrick, I'm I'm so excited to do this deal. Um, you know, ever the terms are great. I totally trust you. I have the utmost confidence that this is going to be phenomenal. Thank you, Patrick. Um, we're good to go. And you extend your hand and I go, no, dude, I'm good. I'm good to go. I like, I told you, I just trust you 100%. I don't need to shake your hand, mm -hmm. right? You're going like, what is up? It is the physical connection of this shaking that seals things. It is the feel good. It's the, I, there's so much to that. So I was actually just thinking, I had a, um, I was going to see someone today. We were going to go hiking. We were going to stay distanced, but we were going to, um, you know, sit, it's really easy to stay over six feet apart when you're hiking with somebody. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go hike a local mountain that I haven't seen in probably eight months to a year. And I was like, in my mind, I was like so excited to see him and give him a hug, like a bro hug. I was like, oh my God, 
I'm not going to get that chance to connect. Mm. So even though I'm going to see him or we're going to have conversation and eye contact, we're going to hike a mountain together. Um, it's not going to be totally complete. Yeah. That that's a massive hole. That physical connection, um, for humans is massive. And it's not just humans. It's, it's, um, animals and mammals in particular, you know, you just had a, um, a son. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Last, um, the whole physical connection piece, like you, like I'm sure you're reading and it's your second child. So you know this, but like the chest to chest contact, um, um, the holding, the breastfeeding, um, the actual connecting, um, happens a lot through touch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird that as I'm saying this out loud, I realize that it sounds weird that that's the thing I'm, I'm missing. Cause, um, I didn't have that. I didn't actually have this in my head until this conversation right now. I'm figuring this out in real time that this is the thing I'm missing. I think more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. Um, yeah, I think that, I think without articulating, I think that that is the thing that most people are missing. Um, cause we, cause we have the digital, we have the digital means to connect with each other, right? Like you and I are talking over Skype. Um, but it leaves something, it leaves something, uh, that I guess if is, I was just, yeah, sorry, sorry no. to interrupt there. Um, I, as you just said that, I guess the next thing would be like the people that I, I'm, um, I wasn't super close to. So like I still Skype with my team, uh, my employees, my family, um, and my really close friends. And then from there, but like, it's all like the periphery friends, right? Those ones that like, I really am missing. There's a lot of people in my 830 class yeah. that I haven't stayed connected with. Um, that's, oof, you know, now that I'm thinking about that's probably even more so than the connect than touch, mm. um, is the people that I've lost that I do care so much about. Uh, um, but for a dozen and a half different reasons, we've just kind of lost that connection. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's a bit of a bummer to end it on, but, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, thank you, Ben. Thank you to everybody who sends us questions. Hope everybody is doing well and staying sane. We'll be back next week. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.